everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. Athlete Nation, what's happening? This is Luke. Before we get going any further, I want to announce to you that we are offering the chance of a lifetime. We have the gift that just keeps on giving in. In. That's right. At the Power Athlete Shop, if you purchase a gift certificate of $75 or more, you will automatically be entered to win a life-changing coaching experience from John Wellborn, Tex McQuilkin, and the Power Athlete Block One Coaching Network, well in excess of $3,000. The package includes a 360-degree initial assessment, 10 live coaching sessions, custom programming, custom nutrition to support your training and your goals. This is life-changing. You can take it, and you can use it or hey maybe you give this as a gift so ladies and gentlemen if you want to learn more about what we have going on winners are going to be announced on christmas so head to the link in the show notes or go to pahq.co slash miracle back to it we're recording on the camera the camera for youtube i believe you put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable (laughs) So we are recording. Uh, <laughs> Who on are the you, camera? Who are you, Christopher Walken? Like a Foo Fighters. Fighters. <laughs> is, oh. is, is the stress on the first or the second? It's the second. Would you say that's a dead horse, John? That we're beating, or is that no? Anything that has to do with Dave Grohl in the full in the Foo Fighters is always fresh. The Fool Fighters. The Foo Fighters, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the premier podcast in grunge music history. Uh, that is true. definitely not <laughs> what. Oh, you're not uh, a grunge you're, guy. You're not a grunge guy. I, you dress no, like I it every day. I appreciate grunge. I'm just not oh, in the... Who's your top grunge band? Uh, great question. Get out of my head, big guy. STP. Mm, good choice, but you just like Chris Cornell. <sighs> no, that, no, that was uh, Stone Temple Pilots was not Chris Cornell. That was oh, um, uh, see, I don't the know. guy with the boa um, mm-hmm. who he sent He was Velvet Revolver and yep. totally drawing his name. We'll get it. Um no, you're probably thinking of Chris Cornell with Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, that's no, no, uh, not STP. Um, Black Hole Sun. Fuck, how am I not? That's Stone. Isn't that Stone Temple Pilots? I think. Well, obviously, John and I are also not grunge aficionados. No, I, I am totally <laughs> fucking this one up right now. Interstate Love Song, mm-hmm. by yeah, far favorite no, grunge. But that's uh, that's not uh, Chris Cornell. That's. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do no, the old. No, oh. who, who's the? Uh, I'm not. I'm googling it as we speak. I know you are, and I'm not editing the silence out for our listeners once again to you realize. Are the slowest Googler. Yes. What I got? Interstate love songs. Full Wikipedia. <laughs> and Click I can't the find the author. Look on the band. So the. Uh, lead singer for Stone Temple Pilots was Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland. Right. So Scott Weiland ended up dying in, man, he had. Well, he does, uh, in, he died in December. Yeah, 2015. 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 
Chris Velvet Cornell. Is this entertaining for people? J- your silence and slow so, googling. So Chris, Chris Cornell <laughs> was uh, Soundgarden. Soundgarden. So okay. Soundgarden, yeah, Adios Live, Temple the uh, Temple the Dog. Yeah, I'm going hunger. Yeah, yeah so, I like Chris Cornell a lot. So, are you an Eddie Vedder fan? Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Kurt Cobain. No. You don't uh, like Nirvana. Dude, I'm not a Nirvana guy. Nirvana, cow. like to me, Nirvana is the one that kicked the door in mm. and fucking ended. 80s glam metal. I mean, Not dude, me. when they came in, basically Motley Crue couldn't sell an album. After I like 80s glam metal a lot. But I mean, <laughs> more than uh, grunge, that's for sure. I, I will say that Nirvana was probably the most impactful, but mm-hmm. for me personally, uh, Soundgarden and Audio Slave and Chris Cornell fucking own the day. Yeah, it's great. Nirvana. I mean, I'm Nirvana and Pearl Jam back in the day. Still am. Less Pearl Jam, more Nirvana. Yeah. Love, dude. There is some good Pearl Jam. I mean, like uh, Jeremy and like uh, uh, like Last Dance and mm-hmm. all that. Like I uh, I appreciate their position. But Soundgarden's awesome as well, yeah. John. Yeah. Like, I like STP as well. So you you pass if, there. If you see me on my computer in my headset, there's probably a 70% chance I'm listening to Chris Cornell. So Tex, let me just ask. I know. I'm not. I don't disagree. Well, I do. So have... What about Nirvana's unplugged MTV, like mm. in the infamous slash famous MTV unplugged album? Have you listened to it? Odds are, yeah. Dude, listen to it again today. Especially with the commentary, like where they oh, talk about the stuff. It's so, the music. now he's totally fucking torched in that, yeah. that like, yeah, he's, so, um, however, I find that to be like one of the most, yeah. man, I went down a rabbit hole on it. And then like you go into, he, he has, um, he covers a lead belly song. So then it got into like 10 string blues. It was one of my most infamous YouTube wormholes, like two Christmases ago back in Illinois. I was just up all night, like watching old lead belly YouTube videos. All in on MTV unplugged. There's there's even a Bruce Springsteen one. So he tells the stories of the songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then plays the songs. That's why, that's why the MTV unplugged were so amazing was Mm -hmm. because it was like the, it was like the, uh, the artist getting up and telling the story and then playing. Mm Hmm. Like fucking I'll, goosebumps. Yeah, and I'll I'll take Oasis over Nirvana because they even have an MTV <laughs> unplugged. And then what's his face didn't show up because he was too fucked up. And his Dude, brother guys, Liam had to play. Those guys are and assholes. Took it. But Liam, so the, here's the beauty. Yeah, there's He's, some cool stories. There. Liam wrote all most of these songs, and so now you had the art, like the the writer, the singer songwriter. Uh huh. I know. I know you wanted to say it. Yeah, the singer songwriter uh-huh. playing these, and it's different than. Even though maybe lyrically or like uh, vocally, the other dude is more talented. Mm-hmm. But you had the writer singing the song, and in like that MTV unplugged with Oasis is fucking amazing. Dude, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that Chris Cornell sang also uh, great "Nothing Compares to You," uh, which is right. a Sinead O'Connor song, and what, absolutely written by uh, Prince. Prince and completely just torches that song to the point where, like, anytime I hear it, I get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just unreal. Um, so, text. Let's just. When you were listening to Oasis as a kid, was it on your rollerblades? <laughs> no, my first CD was "What's the Story, Morning Glory" Oasis. Mm. Second was "Blues Traveler 4. Are you an? Do you like off the Offspring? I yeah, I enjoy the Offspring. Yeah, Blues Travelers Four. That was my second. So yeah, we were, uh, my sister's first was the Ace of Base. Uh-huh. Yeah, and no oh, doubt, that you uh-huh. want. no doubt, shredded. Yeah. yeah, I remember this vividly. Us uh, going to the music I'm store for the so, first time. Uh, no doubt was an Orange County kind of like punk ska band. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, then they basically hit mainstream. Like crushed, yeah. yeah. And they crushed it. Man, what a great, that first album's good too. Yeah. Um, this is nothing to do with the question. <laughs> well, kind of a little bit does. I well, mean, yeah, I guess you know, like music, this, this, because this, this music is coming of age and the question that we have is kind of a coming of age you know question. What's, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, I would agree. Shall yeah. we, shall we get into the voicemail that was left? Let's do it. Do we mention that we have a hotline? That's how we got here, I think. Yeah, no, yeah. the hot, 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 hotline. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the hotline. Let's listen to the voicemail. It's one minutes, one minute and 17 seconds of just pure, pure, like bump set ready for us to spike. Here we go. What's up, fellas? What's up? Mike here again. Hey, Mike. I uh, just wanted to pick your brains about maybe some uh, coming of age movies. To show the kids, uh, you just did the podcast about like the babies and and all that and being new dads and all that. So it got me thinking about what movies I should, uh, you know, show my kids to get them on the right trajectory in life. Uh, my oldest son is Maverick. He's 12, and my youngest son is McLean. There's He's no five. way that he named his kids after uh, 80s they've movies. Seen the classics. Sandlot, the original Ninja Turtles movie, uh, you know, the original Jurassic Park. We just finished up White Squall, which is one of my all-time favorites. That's a great movie. I'm um, looking to branch it out and uh, get them get them involved in some some better mm. some better quality movies from uh, our youth that you know could help them throughout their life's journey that they can refer back to. Appreciate it. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, I guess I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye. Hey, Mike. That's a uh, old school. <laughs> old school. Hey, Mike. Hey. Took the restrictor plate off the old red dragon. Uh, it's not see. exactly street legal. <laughs> uh, it's kind of loud. Uh-huh. All right. So the ages again are nine and 13. I can't believe right? he named his kids after I 100% Die Hard can. and Top Gun. My I mean, fir- I can believe it. I just can't believe it. Uh, mm-hmm. My firstborn will be named Dalton after Roadhouse. 100%. Mm-hmm. So is that is that a teaser into your first coming of age movie? Are, are, is it? No. Are you telling us? Are you trying to tell us something? Are so, you, are you sure a child? Hope. Are you a child? Mm. Yeah, no. What are you bearing children? What if it's a girl? Are you going to name her Dalton? I would. I think Dalton's a fantastic name for a daughter. The name's Dalton. <laughs> um, Thought you'd be bigger. Yeah. Well, no, it, that is not on my list. So my number one, I think, because you want your kids to be entrepreneurial. Can we just say Scarface? Oliver Stone? Oh, okay. Like, hey, listen, if you're going to grow up and you want to be a millionaire, you just have to deal drugs. First, well, you get the <laughs> for, for, what was it? First, you get the money, then you get the power or first, then you, you get, the, get the women and then you get the women. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. That's not on my list. Uh, However, what could go wrong when you start to do cocaine? <laughs> Everything. Yeah, seriously. Get it. Any, anywho. So how do you guys want to start this? So we we're looking uh, for we got like I think we all yeah, kind of set aside five. Five. Yeah. I got five and I got an honorable mention. Uh, I think John should lead off here. Okay. okay. Um, I am going with, uh, this was kind of a tough one, but I'm going with the 1989 movie, which you guys have heard me mention in nauseam on this and we've referenced so many times. Robin Williams, one of his finest performances with Dead Poet Society. Mm. Should we clarify an age, like the coming of age, his oldest is 13. So we want to target that 13 year old. Uh, yeah, but uh, 
I don't know. Like, Here is going to be my yeah. yeah or like, is at any moment a coming th- of age opportunity? Think, yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I I think that the movie, even though like uh, I mean, okay, like if you were to say, hey, for that age group, uh, the coming of age movie should be Stand by Me, which is another great coming of right. age movie, which kind of falls kind of uh, a lot of catcher in the rye. The yeah, idea, yeah. Uh, but I think like I'm looking at. Not age specific. I'm looking at what I thought were coming of age movies of all the things that I saw. Also, because I was jamming texts up, he did have good suggestions, but why not jam them? I think that because some of this stuff likely won't be specific, like uh, appropriate, not like swearing or anything like that, but just like understanding the underlying themes to a nine year old. However, let's assume you're watching it with your your kid, right? Mm -hmm. And like you, dad, are also there to like, Afterwards, you have the attention to go a little bit deeper with the kiddo, right? Maybe we assume that too. So you can get into maybe something like a dead poet society, which is what you brought up, right? Well, it was on my list, but I knew John would have it. So uh-huh. I have an alternative. Because my pushback to text was a nine-year-old's not going to understand that. However, if you're there with dad, that's also my qualification is like, he can explain some of the underlying themes. Or I think, no, I was pushing back on Tommy Boy. Shh. Don't oh, my list. I mean, on something. So well, now I have to lead off with that. But mm-hmm. he, they have the opportunity to still absorb the theme. So even though they're focused on the characters. Yeah. They, Do you think that there's different coming of age tales for girls than there is boys? I, I can't answer that. Like like but. Revenge of the Nerds was a huge coming of age movie. So you can't speak one, for boys? One because <laughs> one because yeah, there was like, like, like the nerds. <laughs> like think about like how many laws the nerds broke. Like they broke into the sorority house so that, you know, breaking, they were taking mm-hmm. pictures, they set up cameras so they were spying on them. Mm-hmm. Then they do. I mean, like there were so many things that like I look at now, I'm like, man, this would be such like these guys would be in jail with so many oh, lawsuits. Yeah. Like, I this think, would be awful. But like. I was thinking like as a boy, we were like, this movie's awesome. I could imagine if a girl watched that movie, she'd be like, holy shit, nerds are going to break into our place and right. like, install video cameras into mm-hmm. our rooms. I do think there, I, my suspicion, John, is that for young, the younger the kiddos, and so we'd have to tap somebody in who knows, but the younger the kiddos, the more the, the protagonist has to resemble them. So a movie like... Uh, what do you call it? What was the one with Sisterhood the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Katniss, Katniss Everdeen. Uh, that I just read that book. Hunger and you, Games. Yeah, The Hunger Games, oh, which yeah. is an original book, not ripped off from anything. <laughs> but what is uh, that? Yeah, The Hunger Games. So well, like The that, Hunger Games was interesting because uh, The Hunger Games actually got a lot of girls into bow hunting. Right, in archery, right. Yeah, in, mm-hmm. in archery. Definitely. So there's an example of where you have a protagonist who looks like you, acts like you, has the same type of mentality as you, you can make it more relatable. But if you watch, like when Ruby watches one of my coming of age movies, Predator, like I don't think she's going to understand how important the team dynamic is watching Arnold and his crew go against like an unstoppable force. she's not going to understand uh, Billy where he's like, if it bleeds, we can hunt it. Mm-hmm. I don't Great. know if she will. I'll make sure she will <laughs> yeah. through pure re- repetitiveness. We'll watch the movie every day until uh, it sinks in. Dude, I remember watching Revenge of the Nerds and like my and like his, like watching him and like realizing like we totally would have been alpha betas uh-huh. with my brothers and I. <laughs> and like, yeah, you need to go get those nerds. Uh-huh. Oh, God, I love that movie to this day. So Tex, you're going with? I'll lead off now with Tommy yeah, Boy. Because of the spoiler alert. So it is a coming of age tale that a dude was tempting to follow in his father's footsteps mm-hmm. and he had everything given to him in life but he had to find his own way within the and find his own voice within the business and the value that he had because he had a 
teammate, a pal, a buddy, stand by and believe in him and call him out for a lot of his bull. He didn't believe shit. in him at all. Yeah, he did. Eventually. Eventually. Because no, he was forced into believe. You could argue it's as much a coming of age tale and that's for what Richard I'm, as it is Tommy. And that's what I'm getting at. So where the, the hero is painted as old Tommy boy, you have the opportunity of even if you are forced into a uh, a partnership or mm-hmm. uh, a team working on a project or later on a, a business opportunity with someone you don't get along with, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to find a common ground. Yep. And make find your voice. Both of them found their voice. And there is shtick. There's physical comedy. There's one-liners. There's zingers in there. So why a 13-year-old, as I'm watching it with my dad, I was not absorbing the theme. Like the, I wasn't picking up on the themes. But eventually, over time, it defined the found its way into how I interact. I barfed on an anthill. <laughs> they look pissed. Bees, they're everywhere. Bees. So, uh, yes. So, that's, I'm leading off with Tommy Boy, mm-hmm. and it's a great for that 9 to 13-year-old boy, because mm-hmm. then you you get some comedic shtick in there, get some one-liners and some ribs, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. also has some solid themes. So, and I selected Predator, mostly because I just love the movie. I- I'm not going to lie. However, I do think you can justify themes in there in terms of the importance of camaraderie, teamwork, and how sheer will can drive survivability even when all the cards are stacked up against you. So there's some problem solving and it's just like also again, sons, I don't know as much daughters like dude, Carl Weathers is jacked. Arnold is jacked. Billy is like all those dudes are like for the most part jacked. So it's like, you know, physique and training and like if that's a hero, it was hero of mine still. Dude, fuck Schwarzenegger's in the 80s and 90s. He was, he was a beast. It was awesome, right? So like that type of positivity as well. I would not have thought of Predator as a, mm-hmm. a coming of age movie, but I think you've sold me on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a weak, it's a weak case. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Um, I will go with a 1985 favorite of mine, The Breakfast Club. Mm. Um, you know, not only, you know, you, you have the rebel, you have the princess, you got the jock, you got the nerd, and then you have, you get the mess of the bowl, you get the horns, you mm. get the principal, which, uh, I think the dynamic is incredible. So, uh, that, that to me was, uh, not only an impactful movie, but the idea that you have all these kids that are from different socioeconomic places, uh, you know, different groups within high school that are oh, all yeah. put into Clicks, this, right? you know, Saturday detention and, you know, the mayhem that ensues was an interesting coming of age tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is the. And a John Hughes movie. This, you know, there's a line I like to use, John, in my, as I officiate weddings, that this group of people will likely never be together in this exact place ever again. Right. So like the, the unlikely tan, like a cohort of kids, the circumstances that brought them together is, are highly unlikely to happen again. Yeah. Right. So it's like that is part of it as well is recognizing and knowing when you're in that scenario to make the most of it. Break down barriers. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. that was a good one for us. Next up, I'm going Godfather. So <laughs> for a nine year old. OK, uh, I'm not Godfather even- one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not two. I mean, uh, I think one is more absorb. Did you read the book? Did you read no, the book? No, I did not. Man, I read the I read the the, the trilogy of books. And uh, I felt that the movies, and I hate when people fucking say this because it's two different things, but like the the books were so much more rich to me. 
Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the movies are rich, so I can't imagine the book. I probably should as big of a fan as mm-hmm. I am. This is my go to Christmas movie, as we've discussed on late. Uh, <laughs> somebody somebody podcast. gifted me the the three books for Christmas when I was in college. Like Ooh, I opened up a deal gift. and I was like box set and I read them. And I, I mean, I'd like when I, I like the amount of time I read them was like super short. It was like a like a two week vacation, you know? Yeah. But bottom line is you have you have a family. It is as functional as it is dysfunctional. And you have the opportunity of the father where a kid fights his his destiny as as hard as he can. He goes to war. He survives and he comes back and he has no choice but to then just take the bull by the horns, lead the family through the you know assassination. Isn't that Jimmy Kahn? Uh, Didn't Jimmy Sonny? Con? He dies. Yeah, no, I, Whoa, I know. Spoiler alert. But that was Jimmy Kahn, right? Played uh, yeah. Sonny. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Who's not Italian, but hey. No, I mean, dude. Who I, are we to judge? Jimmy He's a great Con, actor. Jimmy Kahn did a great job in that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the story of Michael just fulfilling his, his destiny, as it will, that he fought so hard to deny, but it was in his blood. So mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity. And then he's, he has to take charge and stand for the family, stand for his father. And just uh, you see him take the lead. So that's coming of age in my book. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I have another long shot stretch, but I guess it's in line, I would say, with Tommy Boy. Terminator 2, I mm. feel, holds the same values that you could say Tommy Boy had, except you're working with a cybernetic organism and a young teenage Eddie Furlong, in a unlikely pairing to save the world. However, it's action-centric. And at the end of the day, they rely, they end up relying on one another as much as, more so than they ever imagined to overcome. And then there is the ultimate sacrifice in this scenario and dealing with the loss of a partner. I'm mm. talking the tear jerking final scene still brings tears to my eyes as Arnold's thumb submerges in liquid magma and gives a thumbs up <laughs> as he goes down. Well, is I mean, that not a tear jerker? Yeah, no, I mean, I, you're I, telling me you don't well up during that wellborn? Uh, no. What? No. You are a, just uh, a monster. Because, because I don't have a connection with a cybernetic organism like you do. How? Oh, Luke's all wires. Yeah, I am all, all wires. <laughs> Show me your neural net processor, baby. Uh, well, uh, I had the opportunity to watch Ruby for a very short period of time. And the toy that Luke threw at her, like an Ethernet cable. <laughs> so this Here, little play girl. With this. She'll, she'll chew on it. And she's, yeah. I mean, wore it as a necklace, like dragged it around, whipped it. Yeah, like, yeah, very affinity tried, and tried connection to, to water. Text with it. Yeah. And then the next thing she played with was rocks. So wires oh. and rocks. Like That's all you got to give them. They'll, as, long as, they're, uh, as long as they're occupied. So we know John's a, an absolute monster and has no feelings or emotion. Text, do you well up or tear up when T2 starts to go down under magma? In that movie? Yeah. I'm not going to well up. Dude, Other what's movies, wrong yeah. with you guys? You have no hearts. Um, dark, cold you know, souls. The best part about that movie was it was the motivation to get Guns N' Roses to release the album after Appetite for Destruction. Mm, I did so not they know that. came out with it. Remember when they were riding the dirt oh, bike? Yeah. And you, you, Epic you, scene. You can be mine. Yeah. So that was uh, the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. That uh, song was used in the movie. And that was, I think, like part of the motivation to get that album, which they had been working on. You know, the follow up to, you know, Appetite for Destruction was impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they came out with two. Yeah. Well, you guys uh, have cold black hearts. Uh, okay. John's up. All right. <laughs> Uh, my other favorite coming of age tale that I would be more than happy to maybe watch with my daughters when they get a little bit older. Mm, okay. Almost famous. Cameron mm. Crowe. One of my favorites. 
So uh, you have Almost Famous, Cameron Crowe. Um, you know, 15 year old boy goes on the road as a rock journalist and, uh, you know, pairs up with Stillwater and produces what I think is some of the best movie cinema lines I've ever seen. I think it's great. It's one of my favorite movies. Hmm. I'm a golden God. I mean, there's so many good quotable scenes and just a great, great coming of age tale when he like, especially when they're in the limo. And he's like, man, we, you know, uh, you saw the world, you know, the whole thing. We did everything but get you laid. And then he like kind of looks and they're like, really? You're like, hmm. And they were like, hmm. yeah, you know, <laughs> the I, I listened to rewatchables on Almost Famous. Highly recommend it. And they gave some backstory of the, the young actor hmm. who played the guy. And that was his first real role. And so he's paired with uh, what's is it Seymour Kate, Kate uh, Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. And that's one of her first roles. And so he is as a 16 year old boy and like saying his lines and truly like on set in real life, falling in love with this woman. Mm-hmm. Well, and she was pretty young too. And she was uh, 18. Yeah. She was 18. And she, uh, I, I remember seeing an interview with her. She was auditioning for, or she was on something else and they wanted her to play the sister. Uh, his sister was originally the part that she oh, went to. Um, and, um, who was the stewardess? Yeah, I'm trying to remember that actress's name. So that was who they originally wanted her New for. Girl. And uh, uh, um, Zoe. Zoe Dish. Something. Yeah. Everybody knows the Zoe. New girl. Yeah. yeah, new girl. So they, that's just the part they wanted. And she's like, no, I want to play Penny Lane. And so she went in and auditioned for Cameron Crowe and like basically like beat him over the head with like, no, no, no. This is who I am. Mm. And ended up winning the part. And, um, you know, cinema history was made. Mm, mm, mm. It's a good. One. No, it's a great, incredible movie. I'm going back to the future. <sighs> good one. One. Mm-hmm. So you get the opportunity of you as a teenager and your parents are trying to bestow lessons upon you and like you don't know. Like mm-hmm. you're not and they were that age. Well, so my this only kid problem gets, with Back to the Future is it doesn't adhere to any of the rules of time travel. Uh, uh no. Well, we've on previous episodes, uh, Kara, Dr. Kara Miller episode, we went through the different time travel theories, and it does have a line in there. Mm. T2, we want to talk about whatever. Anyway, uh, but changing you have, the past doesn't change the future. There are different theories, and there is this does follow one of the theories. T2 mm. is a different theory. Mm. Anyway, this is the grandfather paradox, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes. Uh, and it does change, but the uh, we spent way too I, I, I spent way too much time analyzing and reading about these different theories. And the grandfather paradox we viewed was is impossible. All of these are impossible, mm-hmm. but this is a about a movie and a fictional story mm-hmm. where you have the opportunity to then live through and see your father's like live like you, impossible. But you get the opportunity to be Walking. 18, mm-hmm. 16, however old they are walk a mile in your father's shoes and like be his best friend for a week mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see that he went through the same struggles and experiences mm-hmm. you did. He's speaking from that. And you, yes. And you have the opportunity to then, I guess within the movie, put him in a position to be the hero to change his life or so. It, uh, I appreciate it. I mean, it's a PG it's, it's right in our age range to maybe show a theme and a story that you couldn't articulate or tell mm. to your young mm. buck. That's a good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Good justification. Back to the future. Mm-hmm. The um, I, I'm realizing I mostly have overcoming the odds tales. 
There's nothing wrong with that. So the most, I think, uh, obvious one for that is Rudy. Huh. So I think Rudy could be a good uh, lesson coming of age, underdog to- tale, um, despite the fact that Rudy will never achieve the levels of the the great players he's um, practicing and competing with. He still puts in all of the work and all of the effort and eventually earns the respect and gets his moment. So I think that that's a valuable lesson in terms of coming to age. Yeah. So. No, I think that's a great movie. I mean, the uh, idea of perseverance and, you know, working within it and the, you know, the odds <laughs> stacked against you. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's fun. Excellent movie. Uh, liked it a lot more than uh, Mark Donnie or Marky Mark's uh, Untouchables. Invincible. Or Invincible. Invincible. <laughs> because Untouchables I, is great. Because Oh, yeah. And Untouchables is another great coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think Rudy's a great pick. Um, so I'm going to go with my honorable mention before I go with my final oh, number okay. one rinse. Uh, in 1985, there was a movie. It was a low budget movie that came out and it was on HBO. Um, I never saw it. I never saw it in the theaters. It was on HBO and it was called Kids. Uh-huh. And it was a tale and from New York City about these kids that were, you know, uh, not of driving age, like eight, nine, ten year grade, you know, pretty young. Uh, and it was a tale uh, that this one boy who was obsessed with basically uh, being these girls first time, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, he was all out about hunting virgins as like probably like a 13 year old boy. And he effectively had AIDS and these girls like the one girl gets AIDS and then they go to a party and the other girl passes out from drugs and he has sex with her. And like this whole kind mm-hmm. of like it's got Ro- uh, Rosario Dawson, mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson when she was pretty young. But it's this whole thing about like unprotected sex and how like AIDS and these parties and it was one of those movies came out in 85. So I was probably freshman in college and I remember seeing it and being like, holy shit. 95. 95. 95. Yeah, you're saying yeah. 85. Oh, 85. Yeah, 95. But that movie. Uh, kind of morbid. Kind I remember of, uh, seeing it. Yeah, like not uh, like. It is not one of those story arcs it's that not is a, like the traditional story. It's not arc. a coming of age in terms of like, you know, victory in this. It's a. It's a peeling back kind of the facade. Well, it's a say? it's a story of truth. And like if you make bad decisions and aren't on your fucking game, you're going to bad things are going to yeah, happen. Recklessness. And, and like I remember that movie was one of the first movies that I'd seen like that. And I remember seeing it and being like, Whoa. holy shit, like yeah. un, like unprotected sex. Fuck that. Right. And so, uh, you know, and like and then also this feeling of like. Actually, I think I said that if I ever have daughters, they are going to watch this movie before they go to high school because mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a morbid and cruel world out there. It can be it can like be. it's it's unfortunate. These things, yeah. at least in my so back in in uh, Naperville, like there is some bad stuff that has happened out there yeah. with regards to things like that and cell phones and like, oh, yeah, dumb and drunk mistakes that kids make to ruin their lives and like i think that part of the part and john correct me if i'm wrong because you're further ahead in this than i am in terms of girl dad like you your daughters need to know it's not a safe world it can be Uh, but it's not well it's not a safe world out there i think as parents we have this desire to try to teach our kids like protect our kids from the bad in the world Mm -hmm. and um my buddy rc was a um 
classic example. So RC was uh, my buddy in Philly who owned Tattoo Parlor. You know, RC's tattoos. Anybody that's from Ridley in that area knows RC. But I remember RC's got a little boy and uh, RC was, um, you know, outlaw biker, you know, pay, you know, former pagan and just uh, all around, you know, kind of, a, uh, I guess you could say a, a fun individual for that. But um, his son's pretty switched on kid. And I asked him one time, I'm like, you know, your boy never got involved in any of that stuff. He's like, no, nah, he's super switched on. I said, how come? Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I never hid the world from him. I was always very honest about what was going on around him. And, you know, like if this guy was fucked up or this was wrong, he's like, I never hid the world. He goes, what I think happens is when you become kind of educated in money and this, you want to create this like veneer, this facade, this this cushy landing for your children and protect them from the evil and the bad in the world. And he mm-hmm. goes, you do them a disservice because at some point they'll encounter it. And if you haven't prepared them, then they're not going right. to know how to react. So he's like, never lie to your kids. Always talk to them. You know, like he goes, if you see a you know, guy panhandling on the corner, or you see somebody fucked up or you see this, explain to them what happened, why he's there, who he is, what's mm-hmm. going on. And don't shield your kids from the ugly in the world because even though as a parent you want to, you do you do not do them a service by shielding them from the ugly. Yeah, and I remember, I do remember talking about this in pre, man, who knows what episode, but an analogy I brought up was the Instagram account Nature is Metal. Oh, yeah. Right, so if you go look at Nature is Metal, it shows like the the morbidity and finality and violent reality of nature. And now the difference between I think us and all the other species is that that violence doesn't necessarily come in the, the physical form. Like we're not literally eating someone's eyes out. But there are people that will do that figuratively. Mm-hmm. Like there are bullies, yeah. there are predators, and there is prey. And it is all... It is all just a hierarchy. And no matter how fucking gnarly you are of an individual, there's someone more gnarly than you. And they can take you down if they want to in like a figurative sense, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, um, like they can rip the morale out of your heart if they wanted to. Now, many people don't, but you got to be like, I think that we have to understand that fact, whether it's in a social dynamic at a bar, like it may even be violent, right? Like what Jeff Gonzalez was talking about reading, like very unassuming people can do very violent things if they wanted to. So that's the world we live in and going to kids, John, like, I think that's the world that world exists. Well, it's it's, it's, just, it is, I mean, um, reality. So, so this is almost, I mean, geez, what's that? Uh, I mean, it's over, it's 20, 25 years ago when that movie came out. Um, the one thing which is pretty interesting is like, we don't really hear much about AIDS anymore. Mm, HIV. Yeah. yeah it's right. Like it's kind of like, uh, like, I don't know if maybe Magic Johnson, you know, like that kind of put it at the forefront and then all of a sudden like he's, you know, they can't find it in his body. So who knows how that all works. But I remember AIDS and HIV was like, uh, at least the way I remember it was kind of um, partitioned within like the gay community. Mm-hmm. And this was something that like that. Like, or drugs. Yeah. Or right? drugs. Like, yeah. Like share needles. Yeah. Intravenous drug users and like the gay community. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was real big because I you know, lived in Berkeley. San Francisco was real close. So it was kind of real prevalent. And like this movie was the first time I'd seen like, no, this happens to normal people, too. You know, this happens to these kids and unprotected sex. And so I think that was a, a really powerful, impactful movie in that point. Mm-hmm. But um, realizing that, like, very few people are going to have your best interest at heart. So you have to, you know, uh, what's the line when, um, God, I can't remember the movie where she talks about, like, uh, um, the condom being the uh, glass slipper. Uh, the Cinder- Lebowski? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. 
that was on Nebraska. She talks about it being like the glass slipper. No, 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 no. Fight Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it Marla. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When Marla talks, that's right. Fuck, I can't believe I forgot that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Kids is one of those movies where I think we'll, what we do by shielding our kids is we don't protect or we don't prepare them for the ugly that's out there. And mm-hmm. I think that movie was one of the first times I saw a movie where it was very, it was, you know, younger kids and, you know, put this at a forefront. I mean, yeah. you imagine being 13 years old and, you know, the, you know, the first time you have sex with, you know, uh, um, with this individual and he has, a, I mean, just like, like the emotional, like to have to get some saddled. And I think back 25 years ago, it was like an instant death, death sentence. Like you just assume like, People have AIDS and they die. Now I think that they've done so much with uh, not only science and this. I mean, the fact that they've, you know, they're attempting to come out with a coronavirus, you know, deal. So, I mean, it's, um, yeah, that was a, a scared straight moment. In my, my next one's in, in line with that theme where, but it's a war, like war movies. So Saving Private Ryan, I couldn't pick one, but Saving Private Ryan, Tigerland and Fury. So Tigerland, I don't know if y'all saw that. It's uh, Colin Farrell. And oh, it's Vietnam. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the my dad grew up Vietnam, and it was very much part of his life. And he was an engineer student, and engineers were exempt. excluded, ex- exempt from the draft. So at that point, but then essentially shared all his friends getting picked off and going overseas. And then there's a Vietnam mural in D.C. with all the names of all the soldiers that passed away. Yeah, it's called the uh, the unforget. Um uh, well, it's the Vietnam Memorial, but what yep. they call it, the Unforgettable Wall. And you can go up, and there's vet vets there that you have like charcoal paper, yeah, and you, you can take home names. And so I've been with him to take home it's, friends of his, Jesus. which is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So it was, and then any time like Saving Private Ryan or Tigerland or any of these movies, it was expressed of not necessarily like drugs and uh, violence in your own community it was just the the, the world mm-hmm. and then the power of war that was represented in his and aimed to pass down and he wouldn't like joining the military for me wasn't part of my just path yeah. based yeah. based off conversations he didn't foresee that for me mm-hmm. so understanding though that the the magnitude that this war has in the history of the United States the history of the world and that it is real Versus, you know, reading from the the headlines or seeing what we see on the, the news station yeah, still the politicized today. version. Right. Uh, it's the, the historical version. Dude, yeah. uh, Saving Private Ryan at the end when uh, Tom Hanks looks at him and goes, earn this. Mm-hmm. And then when he like and then all of a sudden he like shows his face and he becomes the old man and he's standing there. And like I still tear up when I do and his wife comes over and he's like, tell me I'm a good man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that one's like that moment. Like uh, I like I will tear up every time. Maybe you do movement. have a heart, John. And that piece uh, and the and it's not even the the tell me I'm a good man. It's when all of a sudden he's standing at an angle and then he turns and he faces family. like, you know, and salutes and like the family's in the background and doesn't understand it. And like seeing here that like now here he is standing there like replaying like every moment in his life was gifted to him by this guy that died on a bridge mm-hmm. that, you know, is just a, a tombstone here in, in you know, in France. Arlington, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, just. Yeah, could, was, could, yeah, because I mean, they stormed the beaches of Normandy, and I think they were all buried there. So, just pretty amazing, and like the wife being like, "Well, who's this?" You know, and I, know. and I remember yeah, like, seeing the movie, and all of a sudden, when they flashed the headstone, where's he from? 
I don't know. Philadelphia, yeah. Pennsylvania. And I was in Philly and the whole fucking place erupts mm. like they were ready to burn the fucking place to the ground for the fact that like, here's this dude that died. I was like, God damn it. You know what I thought? I bet you that they changed the headstone for every city that <laughs> it was shown in. That'd and be then, funny. You know, and Chicago. that's what I thought at the time. And then I realized that it was in Philly. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was just a, uh, that moment, man, like is probably one of the, one of my favorite moments of any movie. Mm-hmm. So this one I'm lobbing out there. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've seen it. I haven't seen it recently, but I'm hoping to coax it out of you, John, if this is a good choice or not. Lord of the Flies. Ah, well, and I remember it just being one of my favorite books. So I remember watching that as a kid and it having an impact on me. Like I remember the movie. I remember it being kind of like kind of scary of what. Again, you got to like, add that to your to, to your book reading. Yeah, list. you got it. I'm on it. Yeah. And uh, so the I, I guess I don't know if it was a positive impact, but it certainly was something that has stuck with me. And there was an there could have been an opportunity for my folks to like go beyond it just being a film and talking about chaos and leadership yeah. and yeah. and conflict. Right. So in the absence of true leadership, false prophets appear, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is what I coined in the NFL and the idea of like, you know, uh you know, what is it? Uh, the Jack London were only a few generations removed from drinking the, the, you know, the blood of our enemies through the, from their skulls mm-hmm. kind of a deal. So like, it's pretty interesting to see when all of a sudden, if you remove any authority or you remove, uh, you know, like any kind of like structure that all of a sudden people ba- uh, boil down into their most basic, you mm-hmm. know, primitive, of primitive right. self. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, if you think like nature is metal, like totally, you know, we're not that far removed. I mean, I, um, I'm a huge fan of like uh, the history channel and uh, the one that I'm really been stuck on lately is uh, anything that has to do about the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings are by far like the, the most interesting uh, of any of the groups for the fact that like they found, they, they just recently found a, uh, a ring that had Arabic in it in a tomb of like a, a Viking warrior from like the 12, like the 1200s. So the fact that like their trade routes were so big that they were going to the Middle East and, you know, America and the whole deal. So, I mean, those guys were just they they've uh, history's classified them as just these like insane murderer slash, uh, you know, barbarians. But they were actually these super skilled traders and, you know, artsmiths. So mm-hmm. I'm always pretty fascinated mm-hmm. with that. So what do you got? Uh, my final one, which you guys are going to be like, oh, we got it, was uh, Goodwill Hunting. Fantastic choice. Yeah. So another Robin Williams one. I mean, we've uh, fucking beat that one at nauseum with all the different quotes and whatnot. But the idea and the one that I always love is when he gets into the argument with his college roommate, you know, and he goes and he goes, you know, he goes, do you know why that he, you know, hangs with these guys? Because they'll take a fucking bat to his head, you know, or they'll take a bat to your head for him. And he's like, it's called loyalty. It's something he didn't have as a kid. Mm-hmm. And like that idea of then um, you guys have heard me talk about, like, if uh, children don't feel loved at home, especially girls, they will go out and search for that anywhere they can find it. So that big part of like hugging your kids and being like, you know, like, uh, you know, the people that were that are in or I guess in um, what's the right word charged with taking care of you have to provide you with, you know, safe comfort, education, all these key factors. And if they're not, then, you know, people will not develop. And, uh, you know, he was a super smart kid and just an interesting coming of tales because here he is and, you know, getting ready to go into the you know jail system. And, you know, because he's so intelligent, he gets pulled out and, you know, love, you know, love one, love lost. It's a, to me, it's a great tale. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is good. Yeah. The my final one, and I couldn't give a top five without including Mr. Kurt Russell. Oh, I thought you were going Twister. No, come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's the best divorce movie of all time. Anyway, but this I'm going Miracle. Oh. The 1980 hockey. Uh-huh. So yeah. they do a great job of representing history in the state of the the Cold War and the country and that and how meaningful sports can be. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it from the respect of how a team of underdogs, a team mm-hmm. of Rudy's that played well together were able to overcome these amazing, mm-hmm. highly skilled individuals. And even in that, they have representative of the the NHL all-star team getting their dicks kicked in by the Russians. So then you take these college kids that complement each other so well and can get on the same page that they having one of the greatest sports upsets of all time. Mm-hmm. And then the chilling speeches in there just love the old locker room representation and how a coach constructively calls out the individuals that then improve and rise to the occasion with their performance. So mm. then go and miracle on that. I thought you were going to go tango and cash tango. As, and soon, cash. as soon as you said, Kirk Russell, well, we got options. I mean, you want to hear my next five? <laughs> Are they all Kurt Russell movies? So no. my final, again, this is going to be, I think justification for coming of age, mostly a, a, an, an appeal for camaraderie. Shawshank's Shawshank Redemption. And the idea being that Mm. even when you, when everything is stripped from you, rightfully or wrongfully so, in the most unassuming times, it is the people around you that can like be your support network and to like count those blessings. And then, um, Patience and time, like time well, and pressure, right? Like there's some uh, that's very the Count cool, of Monte Cristo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so you're talking about two movies, like we talked about, uh, um, Stand by Me, you know, mm-hmm. being part of uh, a Catcher in the Rye, and then also Shawshank Redemption being, you know, uh, a, yeah, an a classic, to, right? You that know, story re- arc. revenge is a dish best served cold, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just. I freaking love Shawshank's Shawshank Redemption. Why am I calling Shawshanks? I know it's Shawshank. <sighs> Do you think? Uh, I think Morgan Freeman makes that whole movie. There's a lot of uh, subtlety like, to that movie that, uh, like, that so are very, it's very well done. But for, he is a he certainly is a center stone in terms of you know being the narrator and he's so good. And what's, mm-hmm. what what blows me away is he didn't even become uh, like a big actor until he was in his fifties. Mm-hmm. So like he was, uh, remember he got his big start in Glory. Remember, mm-hmm. do you remember you guys saw Glory? It was a movie about the Civil oh, War, yeah, yeah, about the Glory. first that black. Was, so I didn't know that was his like. Yeah, the, that was like the first black, like all black regiment. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say like, I can't, like the 140th or. 1989 Denzel. Denzel. Mm-hmm. And Morgan Friedman, that was his first. Yeah, he first definitely, well, yeah, this is all kind of coming coming together now. He like, he didn't quite catch on till yeah, his yeah. 30s yeah. or 40s well, he's, or something. He's like. His, you think he was in his 50s. Oh, no kidding. He was 50s when he did that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, like I saw a really good interview with him. And he's like, you know, uh, um, if you have a dream, like, don't stop chasing it. Like, you don't know if it's going to be today. And people are so quick to abandon. He goes, mm-hmm. if, if I had abandoned my dream, I would have never have gotten my break, which, you know, didn't come uh, after, you know, hearing, you know, being told no and no and no. And then, you know, grew on and just become mm-hmm. an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Tex? What have you learned? What are you learning right now? How old you Morgan that, Freeman was? You have in that Glory? learning face. I got his IMDb up. So 1989 was that movie? It was. What, what year was he born? Do you think John? 37. 37. So do you think that? Uh, so he was, what? what is that? That's uh, 52. He was 52 when he got his break. So, you're, so your girls are eight. Nine. Nine now. That's right. The Have they seen Shawshank Redemption? Uh, no. Do you think they'd? 
get it? Or would they be like, oh, no, change it, dad? Uh, I think, um, I don't know. Because it can got, be a slow movie, I think, for a yeah. kid, you know? Yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be a hard one to keep a nine-year-old in I got one that I forgot that was great. Stand and Deliver. Yeah, well, you actually referenced Stand and Deliver earlier uh, in our previous podcast. I and I was asked you, I was like, are you a big Edward James Almost fan? Mm, I forgot. But it's so good. Check it out. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> wasn't that the one about the teacher? How do I reach these kids? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that was mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Edward James yeah, Almost. South Park ripped yep, it off. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I actually met him. Yeah, there's so oh, that nice. like yeah he was uh he was um the uh uh what what is it uh like the the leader dude in Battlestar Galactica like mm-hmm. the remake uh mm-hmm. Almadama. Mm-hmm. There we have it. Certainly not an exhaustive list. I think we could probably do another one of these if we really wanted to. Oh yeah. But it was a good a good swing for where we're at today with how we feel about movies and what our moods are. But there you go, Mike. There's 15 flicks to watch with your kids. And if they and cry name your, and name your next kids after. Yep. If they cry at T2, then they're they're they'll be they're nice and he's, sympathetic. He's going to have to name his next kid Compassion. Dutch. Mhm. Mhm. Oh. I'm sure. Yeah, Predator. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Mac. Mac. Dylan. You, you son, son of, of a bitch. bitch. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode. The premier podcast in action movie cinema. Oh, <laughs> is that the That's premier podcast it, in coming of age wrong. movie? You're in the premier wrong. podcast of 1984 films or 94, 80, it's not 85, 85 versus 94. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in the premier podcast in sports movie categories, themes, themes. ladies and gentlemen, the premier Bye. podcast in strength and conditioning. <laughs> and if you got a question, give us a call 929 464 464. Zero. Nine two nine ing. Zero. Until next time. Bye-bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time. Bye.